We're going to continue our discussion on the Holy Spirit that we started last week, which was Pentecost Sunday. And I'm going to give just a real quick recap of what we talked about last week. So, the Holy Spirit is a busy, busy guy. He does a lot of stuff, okay? The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the sevenfold spirit on a couple occasions. And seven is sort of a number of, like, bigness or totality. Like Peter says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Even seven times seven? You know, so seven is kind of representative of bigness and everything all-encompassing. And so I think the Holy Spirit is meant to portray that. God, the Holy Spirit, does a lot. And the two most important things, if you want to break them into categories, that God the Holy Spirit does for us, with us, is one, the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is in every believer. God the Holy Spirit is within every believer, every single one. And we saw when Jesus said, and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, And from that point on, whenever we come to the Lord, when we receive the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, God places us in Christ. We die with him. We're raised with him. Um, and that's what the picture of baptism is about. And our daughter Kaylee's going to be baptized in about a week. So we're excited about that um, in the Pacific Ocean. Um, and so, yeah. That way, every time we see the ocean, she could be like, that's where I was baptized. Um, and so that's what baptism is about. And... That's what the Holy Spirit does. As soon as we come into Christ, God places his spirit in us. And that is true for every Christian. So the spirit is within every Christian. God the Holy Spirit also comes upon any Christian. The difference between the word every and any is kind of the, the main point that we were talking about last week. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit within them. Any Christian, any Christian can have the Holy Spirit come upon them. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 2. Now, that activity of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming upon someone, or the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it was usually called in the Old Testament. Sometimes people call it that today, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, That happened a lot in the Old Testament, but it happened only to special dudes. And by dudes, I mean guys, with like one or two exceptions. Um, Do you remember who the special people were who got the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Prophets? Priests? Priests? Kings? Judges. Excellent. Yes, Samson's a good example. That was always my favorite growing up. Um, Samson versus the lion. So the Holy Spirit came upon special folks, leaders, right? People called to a very special, specific destiny, people in charge of something for the whole nation of Israel, whether it be prophecy or saving them or being a priest or or whatever it was. Um, And that was true in the Old Testament. And the same way that the Spirit came upon them in the Old Testament The Spirit comes upon us as of Pentecost. And that's what we read in Acts chapter 2. So open up to Acts 2. And I'm just going to read this beginning part again, which I'm sure you all know very well. Acts 2, 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each of them on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so what we have here in very dramatic fashion is the Spirit of God coming upon the people who are in this place. Now remember, in the Old Testament this happened, but only to special folks. Only to folks who are like, the Holy Spirit is like, you need to be anointed because you're doing this specific thing. And now what we see is the Holy Spirit coming upon everybody. Everybody who is in the room got the Holy Spirit, not just the special folks, all the folks, the normal folks, the folks that didn't know how to read, which was almost all of them, the folks that weren't particularly great leaders, which was almost all of them, okay? Whatever caveat you put in there, it didn't matter. They were anointed with the Holy Spirit. So this is a huge change from the Old Covenant. This is one of the many ways the New Covenant is so vastly superior to the Old Covenant, okay? In the Old Covenant, this was only for special people. Now in the New Covenant, it can be for anybody. Now the Holy Spirit doesn't force himself on people. They were sitting here praying for this because Jesus had said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the gift that my Father is going to send. 
and they remembered back to what he was talking about, because he talks about that in John 15, that the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, it's better for you if I go back to the Father. And they're like, false. <laughs> Absolutely false. It is better for you if you stay with us, clearly. And Jesus is like, actually, no, it's better if I go. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm guessing they were having a real hard time with this one, both personally, because they love Jesus, but also like, Theologically, this is wrong. It's better if you're here. Look at all the cool stuff you can do. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. If I go, then the Father can send the Holy Spirit. And God, the Holy Spirit, can be with all of you. And that is going to be better because then he's everywhere instead of just in me. And all these things that you've seen me do, even greater things than these, are you going to be with? Which is astounding in and of itself, right? And so this... On Acts chapter 2 is what Jesus was talking about. This is the gift of the Father. This is God the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon anyone who wants to receive it, anyone who's a Christian who wants to receive it. Okay? Everybody with me? And so the difference is there between within, which is everybody, and upon, which is an anointing for the purpose of power, which is what Jesus said in Acts uh, chapter 1, which we looked at last week. The purpose of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is power to be his witnesses. In other words, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit coming upon people, the baptism of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you want to call that thing that happens, that happens here, that is for the purpose of doing ministry, for the purpose of expanding the kingdom of God, for the purpose of being the body of Christ that Jesus has called us to be. That is what it's for. Um, and it doesn't happen to everybody all the time. It's not an automatic thing, at least not as I read the New Testament. It doesn't appear to be an automatic thing. It does appear to happen sometimes without a whole lot of prayer going on. Sometimes just being open to God is enough for the Spirit to come. Like Cornelius, a few chapters later, and his whole family, they're hearing the Word of God, and as Peter's still preaching, they start speaking in tongues. <laughs> so that they, they don't even wait for the sermon to be done. In their hearts, they've already received Christ as he's been talking, and they're already open to God and saying, yes, I'll take whatever you have. And he says, great, here's the Holy Spirit. You know, And so it happens like that. We don't have to... Sometimes people become very formulaic about this kind of stuff and say, you must pray this way or use these words, or, and then afterwards you have to speak in tongues or it didn't work or, or whatever else, and, and people can kind of get a little too formulaic about some of this stuff, and we don't want to go there because it's not necessary, and there's so many exceptions to different things. The point is we ask for the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit, and then there are different times after that where that anointing gets stronger or weaker. Sometimes we're on the reservation, and we're like, God, I need specific power right now to pray. Or we're about to pray for someone for healing or something like that, and we're like, Lord, I need you to increase this. And that's why multiple times we see the disciples say, asking God for more, asking God for more. They're always asking God for more. You're already filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you be more filled than filled? Well, yes, is, is the answer. Also, the Holy Spirit is likened to things like water and oil, which sort of run out over time. We're very leaky vessels. We leak. Right? We leak. Every time I get really distracted, every time I judge somebody because they cut me off on the freeway, and you know, whatever else it is, I, the spirit sort of leaks out a bit. Another road rage guy? I'll deal. Um, so, so we need to ask for more and more all the time. Yeah, Steve. Why do you think you share with you? You know, I, I've, I actually thought a lot about that this week, and my answer is I don't know. I mean, we, as much as we think we understand about the Trinity, in, in actuality, I think we understand about that much. You know, as close as your fingers can come to touching is about how much we understand the Trinity and how it actually works. Um, it could be that Jesus was already here on earth physically, and one is enough. But what Jesus said is, I have to return to my Father, and then I'll ask the Father, and the Father will send the Spirit. So that's what happened. Um, why it happened, I don't know. Um, but it had to happen. I mean, Jesus said, this is the way it has to be. So, and of course, again, we can split hairs too much when we're talking about the Trinity as well. The Holy Spirit versus the Spirit of Jesus. You know, like the Bible says, the Spirit of J Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. Okay, but I thought prophecy was in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Well, it is. It's both. I mean, in Genesis 1, it said the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters when God created the world. But in John 1, it says it was the Son that created the world. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. So they're always working together, right? 
It's never like, I wonder where dad is. What's going on here? Where's, you know, they're one. And so sometimes to separate them just for the purpose of discussion can be helpful so that we can sort of understand what God is doing. Um, but ultimately, they're one. And so really trying to separate them too much, you, you end up falling off the horse on one side or another. Um, so I'm quite comfortable saying it's a mystery. And I do not understand more than this much of it. But what I do understand is what Jesus said. Um, and so I'll take him at his word. And I, and I do know that the, the Spirit um, fills us all and comes upon us when we ask from time to time, however you want to put that. And some people, when they talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they say, oh, I've been baptized in the Spirit, which sort of really, I think what they mean is, this happened to me once. Like, I have, I have experienced this, um, which is great. Um, but what Paul talks about in Ephesians and later in Acts, like, we need to continually be filled with the Spirit. That, that's, that's what God wants us to do. Because they're filled with the Spirit here, and then two chapters later, and then they prayed, and they were filled with the Spirit, and the whole house shook, physically shook. And then a couple of chapters later, and then everyone was filled with the Spirit. Like it happens over and over and over again in Acts. So it's not like it's a one-time event in our life. Sometimes we look back at that event and be like, oh, that was a watershed moment in my life because this occurred, and that changed a lot of things. That's great. But um, I don't know that we need to use it as a way to label ourselves versus other people just because I think that's, it's just so easy to slip into pride. Anytime you say, I'm this, which sort of implies you're not, which sort of implies, and that makes me better. Do you speak in tongues? Oh, you don't? Oh. Mm. The spirit within you is grieved when you do that, right? We all know that. Um, and so we, we just want to be careful, and we want to be loving, and we want to be respectful. And at the same time, we want to pursue the things of God and the Holy Spirit 100% all the time and be filled more and more and more um, throughout the day. Questions? Yes? Feel free to move out of the cold zone. I understand it's very chilly right here. Um, I think the short answer, it, it, again, talking about the Trinity, it, it gets a little difficult. Here's how I look at it, and it might be right. Um, uh, I think the Holy Spirit is the primary active agent of God on earth right now. I think he's the hand of God on earth. That, as far as, like, God wants to do this, yes, but who actually does it? Like, my family is going to take out the garbage today. Which one of us is actually going to do it? Andrew is the one who's going to do it, okay? Um, but it's still part of our family. It's still our family doing it. And so God does a lot of things in the world, but it's the Holy Spirit who typically does the actual work. He, the, if you picture the Trinity, like, the Holy Spirit's the one in overalls. Like, he's the one getting dirty. He's the one doing the work, I think. Um, but, the, but the, the, the model Jesus gives us is actually a model we see many times in Scripture. We ask the Father, and the Father does it through the Spirit. So Jesus says, I will ask the Father, the Father will give the Spirit. And many times Jesus says, this is how you pray. You ask the Father. And then at the end of that same passage, so we ask the Father, we ask the Father, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we ask the Father, the Father gives the Spirit. I'm not saying we can't pray to the Holy Spirit or pray to Jesus. Obviously, that's fine. But the, the, the modus operandi that Jesus gives us for prayer is when you're asking God for stuff, the Father is the guy you ask. And the Spirit is the guy you get to get the stuff done. Does that make sense? Again, it can get confusing, but it's all God, so don't worry. And that's because many people in the West have this understanding of a big God the Father, a medium-sized Jesus, and a bird. And that's kind of how people view the Trinity, which is wrong. Right? God is one. God is eagle. Or an eagle, yeah. I was thinking dove, but eagle would work. I like eagles. And so, and, and that's not good. We don't understand the Holy Spirit well. We tend to relegate him, you know, to a bird. Or to, I don't know what he does. He, it, plus all that stuff is weird and I don't like it. Um, and so, you know, for me, I, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I usually say God the Holy Spirit. So that, to remind people that we're talking about God here. We're not talking about something different than God. We're not talking about something added onto God. We're not talking about a special experience of God that certain people have and other people don't if they don't want to. 
I'm talking about God, the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's God. Um, and we interact with him in a different way. And in the New Covenant, the way that we interact with the Holy Spirit is totally different than it was in the Old Covenant. Not only does he come upon everybody, but he's within everybody. That didn't exist in the Old Covenant, right? No one had the Spirit of God within them ever until Jesus. Ever. Jesus was the first. And after that, we all get the Holy Spirit in us. God, the creator, the one who said, let there be, is now in me. It's insane. I'll, I, don't, I will never understand that. I expect to take several million years in heaven trying to get to understanding that. And I don't know if I'll get there by several million years. It may take more than that. I don't know. Because it's such a crazy thing. Did you have a question? I was going to ask you what about angel. Mm -hmm. Yep. The word angel means messenger. And so... Typically, when we see angels in activity in the Bible, they're bringing a message. Now, God doesn't have to use an angel to bring a message. He uses a lot of different things to bring messages. We know that. Um, but that's typically how we see angels. It also talks about warring angels. Like Daniel experienced a delay in receiving the message from God because Gabriel was being fought by some sort of principality, some sort of big-time bad angel or negative thing or demon or I, I don't know what, something bad, right? Um, and so they had to fight, and it took them a while to get down there. So clearly there's things going on in the heavenlies that we don't understand. We usually call it spiritual warfare, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly how much we need to think about it um, in terms of angels. I've never seen one. I would like to. I think that'd be awesome. I've asked God to let me see an angel. It hasn't happened. I did see a demon once. It wasn't that fun. Um, but uh, angels are great. <laughs> the, uh, sometimes people can get um, deceived, I think, um, saying, oh, hey, I saw an angel, and then it was like, well, maybe that wasn't. So anytime you have a human or an angel or someone claiming to be something like that, we need to ask them questions like, who is Jesus, and, and things like that. Because, um, for example, the guy who created the Mormon church and the guy who created the Jehovah's Witness, they, they both had angels come and talk to them, um, which was bad. They weren't real angels, right? Because angels wouldn't say, oh, Jesus isn't really God, and he has a brother named the devil. What? Where did you even get that stuff? Okay, so, um, but the answer is the angels work for the Holy Spirit. You know, they work for God, um, and they do what he says. How much free will they even have, I don't know. Maybe they have none. We have free will, which is awesome. Uh, any other questions? Okay, uh, let's, let's look again at the passage, and I, and I want to emphasize this. This is where we ended last time. Um, the fact that the Holy Spirit rested or filled, baptized each one of them. So every single person who was there. And this is a massive watershed moment in, in history. This is the beginning of the church. Almost all scholars will say this is when the church started, right here. And that's part of why Jesus needed to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come, because now the Spirit can be in everybody, and there's 120 Jesuses. They're not Jesuses, okay? Christian, though, means little Christ. That's what Christian means. And so there's now 120 people who are following after Jesus, and that's better. And by the end of today, there's 3,120, because they added 3,000 people to their church in one day. What? That would be neat. Okay? Now, there were 120 of them. We have about 40. So that's a third. So say we had 1,000 people in one day. What, what would that even mean? <laughs> what would that look like? What would happen? It would create a whole host of wonderful problems. Right? But, and, and that's what happened here. God is just blowing things up. It's massive revival. It's the next phase of the revival that John the Baptist started. Well, the Holy Spirit started through John the Baptist continued through Jesus, and now it booms again um, through the beginning of the church. And it happened to everybody, and that's the real key. And so we're talking about men and women, which was not done prior to this, okay? Deborah was an exception. There's a couple females that prophesy in the Old Testament, but they were exceptions. Almost all the time, anytime something was going to happen, any anointing, it was old men, period, old dudes. That's it. And we, we can talk about the cultural reasons that that was the case in the Old Covenant. But right here at the very beginning of the New Covenant, when the church is starting, God is saying, that is done now. We're doing something new. And it's not just old dudes. It's also young dudes and old women 
and young women. And is there a black guy over there? What? He's not even a Jew. And what about all them? I don't know what they are. What's happening? And so right away the Holy Spirit is, and imagine, again, first century Jewish mindset, you expect certain things that God is going to do based on what God has done before. And they, they haven't quite figured out yet that the new covenant changes most of it. They should have figured it out because Jesus didn't choose old men to be his disciples. He chose young men. They were almost all teenagers. John was probably about 15 years old. Jesus' cousin, John, who had followed John the Baptist, his other cousin, right? And then he and James start following Jesus. Once John says, behold the Lamb of God, they're like, see you, John. We're going with Jesus, right? He's about 15 then, so Jesus dies, raises from the dead. Now he's about 18. Is Barnabas 18, 17, 18? So that old. Well, no, this Barnabas is going to be 18 in three weeks. Barnabas, Barnabas was probably a little bit older. He was one of the oldest ones, I, we think. Um, Peter was probably the oldest disciple. He was maybe 30. But John was Barnabas' age. Okay? So we are no longer anointing only old dudes. We're anointing very young dudes. All the disciples are young, young, young. Peter was probably like Blake's age, and he was the eldest. Okay? So Jesus had already switched the paradigm a bit, um, and, but they didn't really know what to make of that. They were just happy to be a part of the team. Right? Yeah, I got, I got chosen. That's great. Yeah? Um, it, de it, depend it depended. It, it, yes. They, so they, they left. They would still go back and visit and work on occasion and stuff like that, but mostly they followed Jesus. And that was common in the rabbinic tradition as a rabbi. People who wanted to devote themselves to, with God would find a cool rabbi and follow him around for a while. It's, and that it was more common with younger folks, you can understand, than with older folks. Once you have kids, you need to put a certain amount of food on the table. But when you're young, you can just, you know, borrow food and leech off of this guy or that guy or, or go home to dad every once in a while and get some bread. And, um, so following rabbis around was, you know, considered an honorable kind of rite of passage for, for younger men back then. Um, I, I could bring I could bring some historical historical stuff, but that's that's. Um, yeah, the writings of the of the early the early church fathers, because we have we have the disciples of these guys, the twelve, because Christianity is is not it's not a intellectual religion. Christianity is a relational religion, community. And so it's not passed by writing things down and then studying and learning them generations later. Christianity was meant to be passed person to person. So the disciples, the apostles, discipled other people, who then discipled other people, who then discipled other people, who then discipled other people. And so five generations later, you've got guys saying, I am the disciple of Ignatius, who was the disciple of Arrhenius, who was the disciple of Polycarp, who was the disciple of John. That's who I am. And obviously, that could lead to pride, theoretically. But it really didn't very much in the first few centuries. It was important to them to understand that the lineage, the spiritual lineage, that was happening through discipleship. And so um, a lot of those guys lead, talk more about who the disciples were and what they were like. And part, part, of, part of it is also the fact that this, the whole rabbinic tradition of following people, following around the rabbi, that was done by younger men. Because if you have kids, you can't really do that well. Now, we know Peter was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Um, and that's why most people think Peter was the oldest, because he was old enough to be married. Um, so we've got young folks. That's, that's different. And I would dare say, and we're going we're gonna to look at the Joel passage, because that um, obviously delineates all this even more. That's verse 17 of chapter 2. But so Jesus is really changing. The Holy Spirit is really changing everything by, by showing up and doing things different. It's not just old guys, it's everybody. Um, and, and, and Peter explains this by quoting the prophecy from Joel chapter, Joel chapter 2, and this is in Acts chapter 2, 17, and, it, and in the last days it shall be, so we're in the last days, as of Pentecost, okay? Sometimes we hear a lot of people talking about the last days, the last days, the last days, we're in the last days. 
So we don't need to freak out about whether or not to sell our stuff and buy gold and bury it or whatever weirdness, okay? We're already in the last days. Don't worry about that. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Okay, there it is. All flesh. Everybody. If you've got a heart and you love Jesus, you can have the Holy Spirit. That's the only qualification. Maybe not even having a heart. Because nowadays you could probably live just with like machines keeping you alive. So really all you have to have is a desire to love Jesus. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. He makes a point of saying, and your daughters. What? That's crazy talk. Women can't do anything. Everybody knows that. But no. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Young guys too? Yes, young people too. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, it says slaves there. Okay? So we're talking class distinction as well. Oh, they're just the servants. He's just this. He's just that. No, 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 no. The spirit is equally poured out on those people as it is on the elder who is very educated and awesome. Okay? So there's no distinction. See, you see he's breaking down every distinction here. There's no distinction between young and old. There's no distinction between class. There's no distinction between male and female. And Paul, later on when he talks about this, he makes a point of saying Greek or, or Hebrew, just so that we know, like Jew or Greek, there, there's no distinction there either. Even on my male female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth below, etc., etc. And then it goes on to talk about the very, very last days, as in right before Jesus comes back, which is not right now, or we would be seeing the heavens turn to blood and stuff like that, right? So we're not in the last, last days, because when we are, we'll know. And we don't need to figure out when the last, last days is, because Jesus says, don't worry about it. It's not for you to know. So please don't waste a whole lot of time trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come back, because he told you not to do that, and that's a waste of time. Okay. Thank you. Now... Sorry if I super annoyed everybody, or, or you know, that's just that's one that's one of my things, um, and I'm happy to talk to you about it more later. It's important to understand that Jesus is coming back, and it's important to understand what's going to happen at the end, but we don't need to focus on it and let it sidetrack us too much. Okay? What the point of Joel is to say, God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh, and so what do we see here? We see a lot of gifts of the Spirit, right? We see prophecy, dreams, visions, signs and wonders. All those are mentioned here particularly. So the Holy Spirit is going to do that stuff. He's going to do the Holy Spirit stuff, the charismatic stuff, the gifts of the Spirit stuff with everybody. And again, this is so insane. This is so different. This is not what people are expecting. Everybody read that in Joel, but I guarantee you, almost everybody who read this assumed it was metaphorical and not literal. Because God would never actually do this. That'd be weird. Or, or if he did, maybe one day. Maybe for a day, everybody can prophesy, but after that, no. No. But what Peter is saying is, no, this is now. This has now begun, and it will now continue. And this will be the norm now for everybody, old and young. And God was proving it already to a degree because these young guys are getting up and doing all this, and the girls who were there, everybody. Because it said they were all speaking in tongues, and everybody was hearing them speak. So it wasn't just Peter. Peter gets the ink because he probably had the best sermon. You know, uh, he, he quoted the Old Testament or whatever it is. Um, but everybody was doing this. Everybody was speaking. And so the fact that everybody is now expected to do ministry, not only that, given the power to succeed in ministry and to do what it is Jesus told us to do. Because Jesus didn't say, I want you to spread my kingdom and I want you to make disciples and I want you to do all these miracles and I want you to do all this stuff. Good luck figuring out how to do it. See ya. No. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit. Right? And now the Spirit comes, and Jesus says, he will remind you of everything I've said. He will lead you into all truth. So that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. These guys didn't have the Bible. They had the Old Testament, but they didn't have the New Testament yet. We have an advantage. We can read Paul. We can read Acts. They didn't have any of that. All they had to go on was the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. The Holy Spirit led them. He gave them wisdom, and he showed them what it is. Um, and it's for everybody, but it doesn't happen automatically to everybody because the Spirit fills every believer, but he comes upon any believer who wants it. Um, and so I would encourage you to want it <laughs> and to ask for it and to open yourself up to it, which takes a degree of humility, right? 
um, say, hey, I lack something. But I think we can all admit that we lack the ability to like save our neighbor, right? That's, we can't even fix ourselves, okay? We can't even do life right ourselves by ourselves, can we? If anybody's figured out how, let me know. Okay, no, we need the Holy Spirit to do that. We need the Holy Spirit to even live our own life. We certainly need the Holy Spirit to help anybody else. We certainly need the Holy Spirit to reach out to do ministry to other people. Anybody have questions on that? Or anything else? A little louder. Right. We've got a tutorial and a bunch of testimonies. And they didn't have any of that. And, and they were a bunch of young people, mostly. And they were certainly all new to this. Right, yeah, Ananias and Sapphira, who are a man and a woman, they run into a community of Christ followers who had never heard about the Holy Spirit. We, ha we see that first in, in, um, with Philip, which happens in just a couple chapters. He goes down there, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. <coughs> They're like, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And it happens again later at the end. It's years and years from now. And they were baptized in Jesus, following Jesus. But they're like, we've never even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And so they're like, okay. And so Ananias and Sapphira teach Apollos, who they figure out is the, is the evangelist going around telling people about Jesus and not about the Holy Spirit. And they're like, this isn't good. And so she and he, and her name is listed first, teach Apollos about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is and does and about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Apollos is like, this is way awesomer than not having this. <laughs> and so then he uh, presumably went around to those communities and said, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, you know, Holy Spirit. Yeah? Yep, I think that happened before this happened. Okay. I'm guessing, but I'm not, I, could look, I could look it up. People smarter than me have figured out exactly the timeline of some stuff because it can be confusing. This is not in order. Everything after Acts is in the order of a guy named Martin Luther who put it in the order of books that he felt were more important. That's what the Protestant Bible is after Acts. It's in the order of books that Luther liked. Nothing against Luther, okay? Um, but it's not in chronological order, which is how I would prefer it. Um, but Apollos was an was evangelist who later was called an apostle. Um, so he was going around doing stuff like Paul. And yes, you had people saying, well, I, I follow Paul because he's, he's my guy. Oh, I follow Apollos. And, and then the, the followers were starting to kind of do this to each other because, again, you get more than one human in a room and you have problems, right? Um, and Paul is like, shut up. We're all about Jesus. You're of Jesus, I'm of Jesus. It doesn't matter which one of you talk to which one of us, okay? That's not what it's about. You're missing the point. Please turn back to Jesus. Um, I think that happened before Apollos was instructed about the Holy Spirit, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, same guy. Absolutely. Because I don't need that. absolutely takes humility. You're absolutely right. And I think that that's why, functionally speaking, um, the Spirit often moves among younger people more readily than among older folks. 
because younger people are sometimes a little more open and they're a little more willing to be like, okay, yeah, man, I'll do that. And they'll humble themselves more than those of us who have been walking longer and longer and longer and are a little more set in our ways. And this is not an oldest statement here. I'm just, this is the way it works, right? Um, we should grow in humility. Those of us who are Christians should grow in humility as we go on year after year. That does not always happen, unfortunately, right? Um, and so sometimes, and, and we, see it, we see it happen in the New Testament, but we also see it happen in revivals and other moves of God throughout history, is often God will work through young people, not because he's unwilling to work through the old people, but maybe he showed up and they're like, nah, I don't need that. Not that young people can't be prideful too. Absolutely they can. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I think a lot of that was personality too. He tended to, to speak before he thought and, uh, and that sort of thing. But at the same time, we, we make fun of Peter, but like that boldness and that tenacity that Peter had, that was something the Holy Spirit really used, you know, starting right here. So we all have different things, quirks maybe about our personality that, you know, God wants to use all those things for good. And he was married. Yeah, but, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Then, would they have crucified a 17-year-old? They did, sure. They did. Romans had no problem killing kids. Oh, really? Romans were terrible. There's a hundred words in Latin for murder because they needed a hundred different words. Oh, yeah. yeah. No problem. No compunction about that. Wow. Okay. So that took about eight, seven, eight. It wasn't until I was around 2023, 20, I came out of very conservative, you know, the gifts are done, this is, you know, walking by the spirit, but my passion was to go to the Lord, that I met a real, you know, on fire Pentecostal, and he came over and he started praying for me. While we, while we had bickered over feeling for today and all this Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's good. I mean, just because you don't start prophesying or speaking in tongues or accidentally heal a dude, like, that doesn't mean you're not the Holy Spirit upon you. you know? In the same way, just because you say you don't want it doesn't mean the Spirit can't do it. Right, because like Jesus said, when, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, and Jesus said, ask the Father for whatever you need, and he will give you the Holy Spirit. See, because God knows what we need. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the primary thing we need is more of him. And so if you say something like, God, I give you my whole life. Do whatever in me you need to do. He's going to say, okay. And then you're going to say, but I don't want the Holy Spirit or the gifts. And he might say, well, you already said I could do anything. I'm going with that. Blammo. I'm guessing that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. I'm guessing that's what happened to Paul. Paul's on the road to Damascus, going to kill more Christians. And Saul gets a vision from Jesus, and he gets struck blind and knocked on his butt. Well, he's not asking for Jesus. Why does Jesus show up and give him a vision and give him a, a miracle, albeit a negative one, <laughs> becoming blind? Because at some point, Paul was like, God, I want to serve you, and I want to do whatever you want to do. And so Jesus is like, okay, you're being dumb, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do this. You know, he still doesn't force Paul to become a Christian. He just says, oh, by the way, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting, knock it off, and then he has a miracle when the guy heals his eyes, um, 
And so, but I think that's probably what happened at some point. We don't read it. But at some point, Paul says, yeah, God, I want to serve you. I want to do whatever you want. And he's like, perfect. Yeah, see. It's a true story. Yes. Very good. Very good. And that's, I like that story, too, because that shows the humility. That's the outlook we need to have, you know. We are an important part because God partners with us, okay? We are an important part, but God's the one who does all the work, <laughs> right? And that's Jesus' picture of the oxen. He said, be yoked to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So they would yoke a young ox to an old oxen. Because the young one wants to go off and do whatever it wants to do, and the old one's like, this is how you do it, kid. And he knows what he's doing, and he carries all the weight. And the young one is just supposed to learn to follow. And that's all the young one is supposed to do. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to carry all the weight in ministry. So you're going to be yoked with me, and you're going to learn to follow. I carry all the weight, you just follow. Um, and sometimes we take up too much of the weight, I think, ourselves. We start thinking we did shake up the bridge or that we have to, or we, we start feeling the weight of the world or whatever, and we need to know that at the end of that passage when he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, so cast your anxiety on me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your soul. So we need to remember that, that we can do that. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. I agree. No, that's discipleship. I mean, that's one of the best pictures of discipleship. So um, I'd like to pray now to close, and I'd like to pray for us to receive the Holy Spirit. Does that seem like a good thing to do? So I'm going to pray, and if anyone else feels led to jump in and pray, go ahead and do that. Um, but let's just pray to receive the Holy Spirit. Whether we have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit before or not, the Bible says be continually being filled with the Spirit. So this is a, it's a daily thing, I think. So Father God, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus to save us and that you adopted us into your family through him. And we thank you that he asked you to send the Holy Spirit and that you said yes and sent the Holy Spirit to us. We thank you that your Spirit lives within us and we pray that your spirit would live through us more and more. And we ask, Father God, right now for you to just pour out your spirit upon us for Jesus' sake so that we can continue to do the ministry that he has called us to do, that we can continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to continue to advance his kingdom. So we just receive your spirit right now, Father God. We receive your spirit right now, Lord. And let's just, let's just take a couple minutes just to sit in silence in the presence of God and just receive from him.
Father, we thank you that we can ask and that you can give us more of the Holy Spirit. Spirit upon us, the anointing of the Spirit. Jesus, you said, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Lord, I pray that you would help us walk in humility and remember to ask you. I pray that you would help us to remember, even every day, to ask for more of your Spirit in our lives, both in the sense of the Spirit upon us to do ministry, but also in the sense of the Spirit within us being released within us to see the fruit of the Spirit flourish and to increase our relationship with you. And we receive that anointing of your Spirit in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We don't take it for granted. Lord God, if there are times when we have taken it for granted, we repent of that. If there are times that we haven't already repented for, that we've discounted your Spirit or, or, or not believed in you in that way, we repent of that too. Lord, we want to receive everything you want to have for us. And that includes the gifts of the Spirit. And so, Father, we pray that you would fill us with the gifts of the Spirit. We know you, you give gifts to each one. We can all operate in any of those gifts at different times. But you give those gifts to us, and that, that gift we can keep. You give something to us that we can keep. And so, Lord, if you have a specific gift that you want us to have, we're open to that, and we want to receive that, Lord. And if we're not open to it, if we were honest and said, I actually would not like the gift of prophecy or whatever, I pray that you would work on our hearts if we're not open to receiving from you. We confess that sometimes we are closed, whether it's just pride or whether it's the way we were raised or difference in teaching or we're just not there yet. Um, but, Lord, we confess that sometimes we are closed to you. And, Lord, if that's the case, I pray that you would help us to open up. That you would help us to receive and to want to receive whatever it is that you want to give us. And, Lord God, if there's a specific gift that you place on our hearts to ask for, that we've been asking for and asking for and haven't yet received, I think of the gift of healing for me. Lord, I would like to be able to lay hands on people and see them get healed. I've seen it many times, but... Nowhere near enough. I would love to see people healed all the time. If you have a gift, a spiritual gift, that you really desire to see in your life, I want you to just reach out and receive that from the Spirit right now. Hold out your hands and just picture Him. Picture God just giving you this presence, this gift. And I want you to take that and pull it to your chest and hang on to that thing. And sometimes it takes time and it takes prayers to actualize what it is God has given us, to begin to walk into what God has given us. And so some of us have received gifts right now or in the past that we haven't walked into yet. God's like, I've given this to you, but we haven't started to walk into it. So Lord, I pray that you would help us there. Again, that verse come up several times today, but if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Because generously and without finding fault, you don't find fault in us. You don't blame us for not having the wisdom, Lord. You don't hold that against us. You give freely of your wisdom. So show us, Lord, what gifts we need to pursue, how to walk into those gifts. If there are things that you, we asked for in the past that you gave us but are just sitting there that we're not using, Lord, we pray that you would show us that, Holy Spirit. And help us walk in humility and walk into all the fullness that you have for us. Which is so much more than we're walking in now. We receive everything you have to give us this morning, Lord. Is anyone getting something specific that they feel like they want to share with the group? Say that a little louder. Mm. 
given you gifts, but you haven't opened them. I think that's so true. I think God has given us so many things. I, I teach a lot on walking in peace instead of stress and anxiety. And peace is a gift that God has given us that most of us have chosen never to open. And we just live stressed out and worried and fre fearful and anxious all the time instead of living in total peace like we can do because we just leave that gift there. Yeah. Amen. Father God, show us by your spirit the gifts that we haven't opened. <laughs> and the, the list in 1 Corinthians 12 is, is a good list, but it's not exhaustive. There are many gifts of the spirit. And so, Lord, show us what it is that you want us to focus on, maybe over the summer. Lord, what are some things you want us to focus on over the summer? Pray that you'd be speaking to us throughout the day today, throughout this holiday weekend. That you'd be speaking to us about how we can dig deeper into you. I think of the, the believers who were gathered there for 10 days or so, praying. That's a long prayer meeting, a 10-day prayer meeting. Lord, I pray that you would increase my desire to pray, increase my resolve to pray. Help me not get distracted all the time just with the day-to-day -day life of this world. Not that we forsake that, but Lord, we do want to focus on you and on the things that are important. Help us to do that, Lord. And Father God, we also thank you for all of our servicemen and women who gave their lives to keep us safe and free and to allow us to be in a place this morning where we can meet with fear. We pray that you would honor their memories and those who have served and continue to serve, that you would keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen.